There are some who call me Tim. Welcome, Valley of the Sun and around the world. Tim Jacobs here. Thank you so much for joining me on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. It is your one-hour wad with God, your spiritual Zumba class, and it is the thigh master for your soul. Available right here on 1280KXEG in Phoenix and around the world by going to the TuneIn Radio app. You can also go to the station website, 1280KXEG.com, and download Download the station app and listen to us anywhere around the world for podcasts of previous shows. Make sure you go to timjacobslive.com. You can hear all kinds of interviews and interesting stuff dealing with the subject of Christianity being applied to every angle and area of life. That's why we call it Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. And I am Tim Jacobs. I am the lead pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear, Arizona, the Wild West Valley. And it is such a pleasure to be with you today. I also have in studio with me my good friend Adam Johnson, who is a student at Grand Canyon University in the sports broadcasting area. Adam, how's it going today? It's pretty good, Tim. How are you doing? It's good. It's great to have you with us. And, uh, you know, it's good to have... Adam, You're how old are you? I'm 21. 21 years old. And so the next generation of greatness right here among us in studio. So uh, at the bottom of the hour, towards the bottom of the hour, about 20 after, I have a really fascinating, interesting interview with Melissa Holdaway, who is the CEO and co-founder of Arizona Charter Academy in Surprise out in the West Valley. You've got to hear her. She is a ball of fire. She is awesome. And they, the Arizona Charter Academy is actively lifting kids out of poverty through their school and their efforts. And it is dynamic. It is awesome. I've been there. And so you want to hear this interview because if you want to hear something good that's happening in the world, something positive that is actually amending what is broken, you've got to, you've got to hear this. So what I want to talk about today in the few moments before before we run this interview, is a story that came out over the weekend on CNN.com. And when I saw this, I was blown away as to its extensiveness and depth. I mean, this is almost like they published an ebook. This subject, what in the article, the title of the article is called The Friendly Atheist Next Door. And I immediately was drawn to this because obviously we talk a lot about atheism here. We talk about Christianity. And um, so I want to talk about this. But first, we have, we have to realize that we are entering a segment known otherwise as the Apologetics Smackdown. Look out because you are about to get hit with another Apologetics Smackdown. I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. Yeah. Now listen, today I'm not necessarily, you'll be surprised at my take on this because I'm not really coming out to judge anybody. In fact, what's fascinating about this is this is like a, a total, um, I don't know what you call this. this, this is a marketing piece for for our atheist friends. They show a family, and if you go to, you can, you can search, if you just type in the atheist, friendly atheist next door on, on uh, CNN or on Google, you'll find this. They made videos about this. They feature this family of five, very nice looking family. Out somewhere in the, I think they're out in North Carolina and kind of in Bible country, right? And and rather than portraying atheists as angry, mean-spirited kind of jerks, which they ad- admit that a lot of people can tend to be who are, who are atheists in terms of like Richard Dawkins and these kinds of guys, they say, look, we're not that. We're your, we're your neighbors. We're your friends. We're the guy next door. We're, we're Mr. and Mrs. You know, Joe Smith, and we're around you. And it's really this kind of reinvention. We're not the, the crusty guy in the, in the college, uh, the college professor who is yelling at all the students and making fun of them and everything else. We're, we're just, we're happy go lucky, funny. You know, we crack jokes, we hang out. We're just like you, except we don't believe in God. In fact, they even celebrate Christmas. And as you read the article, one of the, the things they've done, they say, look, what is Christmas about to most people? It's about family, 
and friends and food and traditions. So that's what it is to most people. Why can't it be that to us? So that's what they do. We, we, of course, we still celebrate. We like lights. We like trees. We like the snow. We like the whole feeling of Christmas. We just don't like the Jesus part. And so you're reading this, and at first, and you know, you're tempted sometimes if you're a person of faith to read this and start being highly offended and outraged in the whole thing, because outrage is like the, the weapon of the day, and it's like the trump card. Well, I am outraged. And so I'm reading this, and I'm going, okay. And as I'm reading this, of course, one of the key things that they talk about is rather than having the angel on top of the tree, they replace the angel with what they call the FSM, or Flying Spaghetti Monster. And it's basically this, um, uh, I don't know, like a tortellini or not a tortellini, but what's that long, what's that kind of thick pasta? What's it called? Fettuccine? Fettuccine. Yes, they think fettuccine noodles and it's all like glued together mm-hmm. and they put it on top of the tree and that's their, their angel. And what's interesting is, and they kind of make a mockery of Christmas and everything else. And, and, and of course, again, it's very easy to, to read this as a believer and, and get upset. But I was interested in the story of the Shaughnessy's. And as you read their story, what you realize is both of them, or at least the the uh, Harry Shaughnessy, was raised Catholic, raised in the Catholic Church. I was not raised Catholic. I was raised in a um, in an evangelical Christian church, but he was raised Catholic. And all along the way, even when they got married, they were Catholics, and they were kind of good Catholics. They go to mass and they do their thing, and they celebrate all the rituals, and they raise their children to be Catholics. But as the, they continue to grow and live in the world and experience life, they they noticed a greater and greater distance between where they were living in their their lives spiritually and what was coming out of the Catholic Church. And so they started having questions and they felt like they couldn't get any answers. And one of the paragraphs that really kind of grabbed me and, and kind of changed me from a person that was really seeing this with a very critical spirit to kind of like, hmm, this makes you think a little bit. It's, it says this, as they were experiencing Catholic Church, it says the ritual seemed rote meaning, you know, kind of stale and boring and over and over again. And the priest's homilies unconnected to his family's daily life, that is Harry Shaughnessy's. It didn't help that Harry and Charlotte found few friends at St. Catherine's. They were trying, they say, but the friendships weren't sticking. It's possible that other parishioners sense their simmering skepticism about the church. And what I found interesting about that was you see people that right out of the gate are saying, you know what? The problem I have is not necessarily even the beliefs because I want to believe in God, but holy cow, this church is really boring. And the church just is not engaging me. It's not answering questions that I'm asking and it's answering questions I'm not asking. Now, you know, I have Adam in the studio here, and Adam's a, uh, a, a student at Grand Canyon University, and he's, he's going into broadcasting and, and sports and specific, specifically. He's covered a lot of the, the, uh, the games at GCU and sports broadcasting, um, live and that kind of thing. But Adam, let me ask you this. Your, your demographic being that kind of, you know, um, early 20-something, mm-hmm. um, are you sensing a disconnect that young people have with church, as, as, even on a Christian campus? How is that going? What, what are you sensing and seeing on that? It's pretty hard to keep up with the, when you have things like the technology and the internet and a lot of this changing, you know, the message from the media gets really pounded into your head these days that mm-hmm. if you don't have the, if you didn't really grow up with the church or you don't have a solid group of Christian friends really, you know, kind of showing you that it, it doesn't have to be that boring way where you're sitting in the pews and just, you know, communion and, and we pray and then, you know, you go on with your day after church. If if you don't have that experience, then you kind of go into it with a negative attitude. If you watch a lot of the movies that, you know, mm-hmm. people might, you know, I, I go to these movies too. I go, I mean, you know, there's funny parts of these on Netflix and that, but when you go to these things and you think like, wow, that's what the church is like. You, it's that's almost right. like the Christian is the punchline now. And, and you can almost see, I mean, it's a great story written by Daniel Burke and he does a great job portraying, you know, how the family views it. And you see where they're coming from, just like you talked about. And so you can't blame them when the Christians are portrayed in such a, a negative aspect. And, and it's our job as Christians kind of overcome that and show them it's not really like that, but... It's you not. Gotta, it's not really yeah. like that. But yet, for the Shaughnessys, it was. Mm-hmm. The Shaughnessys, it was. And it's interesting how how they get to a part where it says, and this is kind of where the 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 climax of the story happens. Harry wondered whether telling a priest you're sorry and reciting a few Our Fathers could really wipe a sinner's soul clean, even Hitler's. Even Hitler or Charles Manson. So even could could so if, if Hitler walked into a priest and just said, "I'm sorry," and recited a few Our Fathers, could that really wipe his soul clean? And here's what's interesting, my friends, is the fact that 
this is the extent of the knowledge that a lifetime of going to church gave this man, Harry Shaughnessy, a typical guy from North Carolina in the Bible Belt. And I thought to myself, you know what? While they're while they they make fun of Christians and they make fun of church and they and they actually get to get to kind of to be honest with you, it's a little bit goofy. I mean, they they kind of come off like a bunch of clowns. To be honest with you, I mean, they they really they they just look goofy and and they they have a little secular church that they invented and they they get up and they tell jokes about not believing in God anymore. It's just kind of weird. It's like it'd be like people getting together and if you don't believe in something, it'd be like people getting together and telling jokes about how they don't believe in pink elephants. I, it doesn't. I don't really understand that because if it doesn't exist, why do you care? But that that aside for a second, here's the thing. My fellow many, many, often uh, large percentage of Christian listeners, I kind of understand that. Like, I kind of don't blame him. You know what I'm saying? In other words, he's right. The fact that if you're going, gosh, you know, does just saying a couple of Hail Marys and Our Fathers or whatever, does that really wipe a person's soul clean? And the answer is no, it does not. It absolutely does not. You see, once a month at our church, we have a, we, we get people together and we, we ask our, especially a lot of our new folks, we say, um, what, cause we, we teach them about what the church is supposed to be, not what it is. And as Adam was talking about how it's portrayed in the movies and Christians being the punchline and, and all, but, but what, what is it supposed to be? But before we teach them that from a, from a biblical sense, we ask them, what is the perception that you've had of church? And you get responses like boring, hypocritical, judgmental, not relevant, I didn't understand that. I felt like I was going into a cross-cultural experience. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, do, we, do you understand that for so many people, they, they, people were not born hating church. That had to be learned behavior. <laughs> now we're born into sin. We're born, we're born into being enemies of God, to be sure. That's what the scripture teaches. But, but you don't, you know, you don't, you're born predisposed towards hating church. What you hate is, what you come to hate is a place, and so often our people will say this over and over again, when I was a child, I was forced to go to a place that was mean, that was boring, that I couldn't understand, that I couldn't relate to. And I just want to ask you this question. When you encounter an atheist, and as much as we talk about them here on, on Life360, we talk about atheism, and we've, we've had atheists on, I'm going to have them on again. But as much as we talk about this, can you blame a guy? for walking away from a place that just didn't make any sense? That just didn't make any sense? And can you blame a guy who walked away from a church where he never really heard the gospel? You know what the word gospel means? It means good news. It doesn't mean bad news. It means good news. And I don't know about you, but there are so many people today who aren't going to church because when they did go to church, they never heard any good news. The, and I, this is not a criticism of the church that you go to, but I just want you to ask yourself a question. Are you hearing good news that you understand that makes sense in your church? Because if you're not, and if going to church is something you do just because you've always done it, then maybe we shouldn't be so surprised when a growing number of people leave it. Food for thought. I wish we could talk about this more. I want to talk about it more, but you got to engage with this stuff. But first, we are going to uh, shift gears here because you got to hear about something amazing that's going on right here in our community. And it is something that... Uh, you got to hear about with, uh, what's happening right here in, in Surprise, with a school that is changing people's lives. Um, but first, I want you to hear um, just a uh, little plug for people that I have really come to appreciate, and that is the folks at, uh, at ChiroFit. My shoulder is getting better, and I can wave my arms here on Life360 with Tim Jacobs. Hi there, Tim Jacobs here. I want to talk to all of my listeners living in the Phoenix area. And if you're like me, you're trying to stay active. And sometimes maybe your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash. And if you find yourself getting hurt, maybe you pulled something and you don't want it to sideline you, you need to go see my friends at ChiroFit. They are a full service uh, chiropractic, massage, 
physical therapy, and they have locations all over the valley. They have one in Buckeye and in Peoria, Tempe. They just opened up another location in Avondale. Go to chirofitgroup.com. That's chirofitgroup.com. Or call them at 623-773-2000 and just tell them. Say, I'm hurting and I need help. And they will get right on it and you can go down there and you can start feeling better today. So again, chirofitgroup.com and tell them that Tim Jacobs sent you. Continuing on with Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I am Tim Jacobs. This is the show that's redefining Christian radio right here on 1280 KXCG because, wow, does Christian radio need to be redefined. So that's what we're doing right here. And in just a moment, I've got an interview with Melissa Holdaway, who is redefining what it means to have opportunity in this city. And you know what? We talk about Life 360 with Tim Jacobs being a place where we talk about how the gospel is making a difference in people's lives and what you can do as a Christian to really not just simply pray for change, but be a part of change in and among um, where our, our town and where you are. And so without further ado, I am excited to let you hear this, this uh, interview that I just taped uh, just an hour ago. You've got to hear this. There is really amazing stuff happening right here in our city. And uh, so we're going to talk right now to Melissa Holloway. I want to talk to you today because a lot of people and what most media tends to do is focus on things that are going wrong in the world. And there are no shortage of those things. It's much easier to find that which is broken and fading away and threatening than there it really is to see what is positive, what is wonderful, what is exciting, what is encouraging. And I want to throw that at you today because I really want to try to do that because I really believe that if you just look right under the surface, God is doing amazing things all over the world, but actually right here in our town. And I really want to feature people who are doing amazing things locally, because that's really what it affects you. If you live in Phoenix, you you know, there's things happening on the other side of the world that are terrible, but they may not really actually affect your day-to-day life. I want to talk today with someone who is affecting your day-to-day life right where you live, whether you know it or not. And so I want to welcome to the show, Melissa Holdaway. Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks. Melissa is, now are you the the founder, principal, CEO of Arizona Charter Academy in Surprise, Arizona? What what is exactly your title? I'm the CEO and I'm a co-founder of the school. You're a co-founder of the school and what Arizona Charter Academy is, it's a charter school uh, started in Surprise, Arizona. So the West Valley, kind of Northwest Valley. And you are doing an amazing work with with some challenging situations with kids uh, right there in your community. And I want to have you on the show to talk to you about this today because for our listeners who are hearing this, they look at the kids of today as especially those who are coming from impoverished situations, low-income situations, families with, that are broken up and, and split up with all kinds of challenges, and they're thinking, how in the world do we solve the problem of poverty? How do we solve the problem of systemic and cyclical and generational um, depravity or emptiness or struggle? And there's all kinds of ways to do it, but I happen to think the way that Melissa Holdaway is doing it is the best. You have started a school. Tell us about Arizona Charter Academy. Well, we're a K-12 public charter school that we started in 2001, so this is our coming on our 15th year here in Surprise, and we are just really passionate about breaking the cycle of poverty through education. Mm. And we don't portray ourselves as a high-poverty school. Right. In fact, most people would not know it walking in our doors and interacting with our kids, but 80% of our students live out or below the poverty level, and we have about 73% minority predominantly Hispanic and African-American students. And we just really celebrate diversity. And we believe that all students have the opportunity to be amazing, and our students are. But really trying to get them to um, be stellar, not only in academics, but as citizens, and then helping them go on to college. And many, most, in fact, are first-generation college students, Mm. whether it be college, trade school, or some type of a, a, a career after high school. 
And so these students, you said 73% are, are, um, are minority students. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And 80% correct. come from low income. Is that right? Yeah. And so you've got the majority where a lot of these kids are kind of like two steps behind when they come out of the gate because just of, just of the challenges. But help us understand what what the world is like for the typical student going to Arizona Charter Academy living in that kind of environment. Well, you know, we have quite a diverse group of kids, and that can mean that they might live in a definitely a subpar home. It could be very small. We've had mm-hmm. some of our students homeless. Some of our students live in an abandoned bus. It could be a middle-class family because we have some of those as well. And uh, we are a very unique school in that we are in an urban school. We'd be in a suburb area. So mm-hmm. we're in the original square mile of Surprise, which is where the, the city started, but it's also the highest poverty area in the city. So Surprise typically is a, you know, middle to high income community, but we really pull from that high poverty area in our city as well as El Mirage and uh, really meeting a need. We're the only ones in only school in the original square mile, but we found with our students, a lot of them are, they come to us with big gaps in their learning Mm -hmm. because what most people don't understand when you have poverty is that students aren't exposed to what a traditional middle-class student is. So, for instance, their vocabulary may be a lot more narrow. Um, Some maybe never cooked with their their parents. They never did anything with their dad. They don't know what a tape measure is. We have some of our students, Mm -hmm. I was telling you the other day, that uh, we we took on a field trip to Arrowhead Mall and who had never seen an escalator. A lot of our students never leave the area going never, to Phoenix. They've never seen an escalator, Melissa Holdaway. Yeah. So now, and how old was this particular student that was marveling at the um, escalator? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Now I want you. I want people to understand this. Your your school is comprised of students that you are reaching and impacting. Who, as an example, would have a fifth grader living in Surprise, Arizona, a, a, in a in a within a metropolitan area, who had never seen an escalator. Uh, Melissa Holdaway, I don't think most people understand that kind of world. I would agree, and especially not in the West Valley. And I think that when you talk to many of our students, they consider going to Phoenix, going out of town. You know what? That's right. For them. That's right. That's right. Because I had the opportunity. You invited me to come over and to be a part of your Lunch for Leaders event that you have. And you would do that, what, like maybe once a month or something like that? Right. Mm-hmm. And you invited me to come, and I got to sit with and and speak with thirty of just you know the most dynamic and fun and respectful and engaging students that you that you could ever see. And as you said, the the, the racial makeup uh, was about what you know about what you had described in terms of the percentages and everything else. So I was as as a Caucasian, I was definitely the minority when I walked into the room, <laughs> and and so and here I am, and I'm talking to to junior high and high school kids, basically. And so I'm telling them stories, the things that I did when I was younger to try to let them see that you know, I'm not this old guy that's, that's boring. And, uh, but I was, I was just really, really impressed with how much, with how curious they were, the questions they asked, the eagerness they had to, to understand me, to get inside my head and to really take to heart the things that I was trying to say. And, you know, there was several fascinating things that, that I, that I noticed. One of them was when I, you, cause you had several students give me a tour. And I want to get into that more as well, because you focus a lot on leadership, on building leaders. And yet when I was walking around um, on this tour, there was one kid in particular who was walking me around, just a cool guy. And about, I think he was a ninth grader. And he said to me, he said, have you ever been to Phoenix? And I said, well, yeah, I was, I was there yesterday. You know, you know, you mean, I said, you mean like downtown? He says, yeah, downtown. I said, uh, yeah, I was there yesterday. And he says, well, I went there last summer. And it's almost like, you know, right. have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? You know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> have you ever been yep. to New York City? And I said, well, I was just there yesterday. And it was, and so that was interesting, the first part. But the other part, so here's, here's from his reference point, as you said, wow, I've never seen an escalator. I've never been outside surprised. I've never been, you know, east of the 101 freeway or whatever. Or if I had, 
vibe. It was it was a big, massive occasion. But the other thing was the reason why he went to Phoenix. And he proceeded to tell me when he went to downtown Phoenix over the summer. And again, this was like a month ago when I came to visit you. So we're talking like eight months ago in the summertime. He went for some boy, some boys and girls club kind of program, a leadership kind of program that he was a part of. And he said, yeah, and I did this and I, and I got this, I got this certificate, this award. And I went, well, that's great, you know. And then I, I said, that's really cool that you did that. He says, yeah, and I'm so excited. I got recognized. That's so cool. And then he proceeds to put his backpack down and open it up and pull out the award that he got eight months ago. And I realized something, Melissa, that this, this young man had been carrying this award around that he had received in his backpack. He carries this thing around with him every single day. And I could I couldn't believe that yeah. that this was like one of the maybe one of the only things that he had achieved, but he had achieved something. He was so proud of it, and he carries it with him wherever he goes. Some eight months later, and th- these are the kind of students that you are impacting who live in these in these uh, in a lower income neighborhood in a really challenging situation. But you're making a dramatic difference in their lives. And it's and that's that's why I think I, I love doing what I do because this is the group of kids that you you can break generations. You can make those impacts because they they need it's like anything else they are need someone to care enough about them mm-hmm. that to show them structure give them that tough love to to push them to be their best and someone they know that won't leave them because most of these kids a lot of people come and go in their lives saying they're going to help them but they don't most don't stick around and so the consistency that they have here. And the school that we've built and our staff stays with us a long time. We have several of our staff members been with us 10 years or more. And that consistency, really, we are their community. We are their family. And so that they want to achieve. Initially, sometimes it's not even because of them. It's because of they want to please their teacher that they have a, you know, a positive relationship with and make them proud. And I think that is, when you're talking about high-poverty kids, mm. they, it's really relationship. They, they need that relationship to feel safe, and they feel safe here. And right. I think that is one thing that we can, we can do because we have very high expectations. I think a lot of people feel like, well, you feel sorry for these kids mm. that come from all, but you can't do that. You have, mm-hmm. it, doesn't regard, it doesn't matter if they had tough situations. What matters is what are they going to do about it in the future. Right. And We're, so— yeah. We're talking with Melissa Holdaway, um, and she is the co-founder of Arizona Charter Academy in Surprise, Arizona. You are listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs on 1280KXEG. And Melissa, uh, you are making this impact, and you're doing it in some unique ways. Tell us a little bit about, because you, you're a co-founder of this school, uh, talk a little bit about your educational background. Well, um, I, I have a kind of a unique background for education. education. I was in corporate America for a while. I have a master's in uh, business administration, MBA. And my passion has always been business. But when I got through the corporate world and was kind of living my dream, what I thought was my dream, from a career standpoint, I realized at the end of the day, I wanted to make a difference. And um, so I quit my job and I started at the school with my aunt and uncle who were educators. And so I Charter schools are really a, a marriage of small business and and academics, and you have to be really good at both to be successful. So yeah. I took the business operations side, and um, you know I fell in love with the kids, the staff, and and so my role is I get to do everything I love on the business operations side, leadership, and we, we I have a very strong academic uh, partner that manages and leads the academic side, and we're an A school. We have won all kinds of awards for our culture, from our staff and student perspective. Hmm. But it can be done with even with, with high-poverty kids, and it's really it takes a lot of work. But what I've learned um, over the last 14 years is that at the end of the day, to be genuine, you, know, you, you put in the work and be sincere and always strive for excellence. And I think that's what has made us successful. We're relentless in our pursuit of excellence and this, at all levels. Right. And this is obviously, I mean, this is a huge job for you, but you're also, you're also a wife and a mother as well. Yes. And so you're, how do you balance all of that? I mean, how do you be a co-founder of a charter school that reaches uh, low-income neighborhoods and, and you're, you're, you know, all of that that goes along with the growth and dealing with the state and all of the, you know, the making sure that everything's on the up and up and winning the awards and then, and then being that, that wife and that mom, how do you do that? 
Well, I'd like to say I've done it well all this time, but I, I would say I've, I fail on a daily basis. But um, in the end, it's really about balance and trying to find out the best way that you can. Fortunately, I have a very supportive husband, mm-hmm. and uh, my kids have both gone their whole K-12 career here at our school, so it's been nice they've been able to share that. Yeah. But, um, you know, just trying to find, making sure that I, I'm there for those special moments, especially for my kids, knowing what those moments are and making sure I don't miss them. And then knowing when it's okay for me to work late or attend other things. But one thing I, I've seen, in a, when your kids see you pursue your passion, it gives them permission to pursue theirs mm. and to do it with integrity and, and hard work and what comes of that. And it's been really cool to, for them to see what our school has become um, as a small result of my efforts, we have a whole team of people that really deserve yeah. the credit. But well, you're just getting after it. You're getting after it, and and you're doing something that that you feel really makes a difference, not only in your life but in the lives of others. And you you mentioned before because you have an MBA and you got that from Grand Canyon, right? Mm-hmm. So you're here, Correct. you know, was here locally, and and you're you mentioned a passion for leadership, and I really want to hone in on that. Because what we see oftentimes, and you, you kind of touched on this before, when we talk about kids from, from difficult backgrounds, maybe from fatherless homes or maybe just parentless homes, or they're just living with other relatives and there's a whole lot of them and they haven't been out very far. They don't, know the, they don't even know much about the culture that surrounds them. They haven't been to a mall. They haven't been to downtown Phoenix. They don't know much about the world. They don't know have basic skills and this kind of thing. A lot of times what we do is we don't expect a lot from, from th- those young people because we say, well, they didn't have all these advantages that other kids have. We call them disadvantages managed or whatever else, mm-hmm. but you really have a focus on leadership. Talk about how you, it's leadership as, and entrepreneurship as well. Those are passions of yours. Right. How have you wanted to bring that into the realm of what these kids can understand at Arizona Charter Academy? Well, a couple ways. One, exposure is super important because obviously, as we've talked about, their exposure is limited. So we try to open up their world because a lot of times they don't even know what's possible because they don't ever they don't even know it exists. Mm-hmm. So the more we can expose them versus we do a lot of student travel, we do a lot of people like yourself coming in to talk about their lives, it all, it all broadens their exposure. Uh, a lot of partnerships. I spent a lot of time over the years building community partnerships, business partnerships, where our community comes in and works with our kids, but they also go out. And community service is, is such a key component of who we are at our school and our students all participate in giving back to the community. And that has been the one thing that I've seen that has developed their character in a way that um, nothing else has. That's why our students are the most respectful that you'll see. They are mm-hmm. kind, they are mm-hmm. generous, they are passionate. And that's a result, I believe, of all the community service and the passion for that that we have at our school. And, I, and I'm such a firm believer in, uh, you know, when I grew up, my parents made me you know, they were involved in lots of things. They had to go with them and give back to the community. But that doesn't really happen anymore. Mm-hmm. But it transforms life. And especially for kids who, who are in need or they sometimes are tend to, you know, get, get people give to them. They've never felt what it's like to give back. See, and, and that's so important. And you hit that exact. That is exactly right, because we learn this even as as um, as I've gone around to different parts of the world and to you know impoverished nations, so to speak. And what happens is they tell you you're going to be tempted to want to just say, "Here, you're you're going to walk into a home." I've, I was at a, uh, in a slum in. Um, in Delhi, in India, one of the worst places that you could ever go in terms of just the, the level of poverty of the people. It was astounding. And they said, you're, you are going to be so blown, you're going to be so compelled to want to give that you just want to drop a $20 bill right there on the, on, the, on the table in this little tiny one-room house that nine people are living in. And if you do that, you're going to upset the entire economy of that whole area because and you, you're going to pay for the rent for the next six months for this person. It would be like dropping you know $20,000 on somebody. But they said the the other problem is too is is you are really playing that role of that benefactor and they they'll never get the opportunity to really give back and that's a that's a when we talk about theologically for a second when we are created in the image of God, we are happiest when we are most like him. And if we believe that God is a giving God at his core, that he gives, he gave Jesus, he gives love, he gives life, he gives mercy, he gives grace, he gives sunrises and sunsets. At his core, he is a giving God. And so people who never get the chance to give, they miss part of that experience of what it means to be a human being in God's image, right? And so you, what happens is we really patronize people in that situation. Oh, well, we're going to give to you. Isn't that great for us? 
trust that we've done that for you, but you, but to actually say, no, 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 you have to understand you may be on the bottom rung socioeconomically in this culture, in this society, in this, in this community, but you need to be able to experience the blessing of giving what you have. So, you know, you can have ownership here and you can belong. Because it gives you a sense of value. Absolutely. And it gives them a sense of worth, you know, that they're not worthless. They're, they're, they're valuable, and they can do something to impact others. And that, you're right, that is at the core. If I had one thing that has really, that I've seen change lives, it's that. So I encourage every parent out there, have your kids do community service hours. Make them do that. They will thank you for it later. And no, and no matter what, no matter what rung on the ladder they're they're in, and so you, you, you don't really feel. I mean, you feel. It's not that you feel you don't feel sorry for them. I mean, there are some difficult situations, but you don't treat them as though you feel sorry for them. You don't re, you don't let them know. Oh well, I know you're in this tough situation. You say, listen, yeah, there's some challenges you have, but you can overcome these. Now you have gotten involved. You've gotten the the students, some of the students involved in uh, in civic um, in in politics as well. Talk about that. Well, we, you know, one of the things we try to do is make what they're learning relevant because we feel like that's super important, in particular at the high school level. So we have kind of four, we call them houses of study that we have our students involved in, which is STEM, civics, business, and fine arts. And on the, the civic side, we have a program called Capital Scholars where um, students, they learn about the legislative process. And last year, we in the program they have to they had to write a bill we had guest speakers come in everyone from lobbyists to legislators to mayors and and different people come in and talk to them about uh, how the system works and then they they wrote a bill that um, they would have to and then they we had a mock legislative session down in city hall and they had to present their bill to the committee and we went through the you know through the committee process and onto the floor of the house and and kind of mock mm. that whole thing out. And then in the end, everyone voted to see if their bill passed. <laughs> so it gave them a really good sense of what it takes to make an impact. Because one of the things we try to do is we're teaching students how to have their own voice. It's similar to what you're talking about. Whatever they believe, they need to learn how to express it themselves, not to let someone else talk to, talk for them, yeah. but for them to have their own voice. But it has to be backed with facts. Mm-hmm. It can't just be, you know, what the media says. So we're trying to really teach them this is an, a way that we do that. And so this year what we're doing, working with the City of Surprise, and they're going to be meeting with the department heads here in a, uh, another month or so and looking at what kind of initiatives or city ordinances that they can write a bill for, present it to the city council. It's not really a bill, but an ordinance or a, a program present it to the city council and have them vote on it. And actually it'd be a living, breathing initiative that has some wings that we could actually implement to improve hmm. our city. Wow. See that 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 is amazing because most people never they don't they don't understand the legislative process they don't understand um, most even adults don't no that's what I'm saying most adults don't the idea of writing a bill and actually having that go through so you so you're involving then um, local politicians then they're uh-huh. in surprise and, and right. so they they're aware of Arizona Charter Academy they're aware yeah. of these students and I mean they it gets presented to them and they're involved in this process and not only that but what a great thing to put on your college resume when you're trying to get scholarships mm. and. And, um, but also it gives them public speaking skills, all those great things that are going to set them up for success because what we're finding with, in particular, high-poverty kids is that they might go to college, but they, they drop out because they can't, the transition's too difficult. They don't have the support system, and they're so used to high structure in a high school environment. When they get to college, there's no structure, and so a lot of times they're not successful, and we're trying to change that right to make sure they finish college and what do you how are you how are you because i i wanted to get to that but we'll just jump into it now how are you doing that well we're we're doing a mentoring program so all of our staff and then some community members who are interested are are going to take on a student this year that's going off to college and it might be one we first we're going to start with your alma mater you know if someone's going to grand canyon i'll pick them up and uh and follow up with them on a monthly basis, kind of be that support system that they may not have at home. Mm. So we can make sure that that transition is uh, going well. You know, even small things, like we had a student a, a couple years ago that um, got a scholarship to ASU, I mean, I'm sorry, NAU, but she didn't have the money for the initial application fee before her her financial aid kicked in. And then she didn't have any money to set up her dorm, so she sheets and towels and and things like that. I mean, those are little things we don't think about, but they're yeah. big barriers for yeah. kids in poverty. 
Wow. And so, so you're walking through, again, that, that, that's a story that needs to be told because for a lot of people, you would say, or a lot of schools, they'd say, okay, listen, once they hit 12th grade, once they get that piece of paper, that diploma, and they, they walk, you know, they have the little robe and the right. cap and gown, whatever, and they leave, we've done our job. And you guys have, have, as you've looked ahead and followed some of these, you've seen a lot of success stories, but you've also seen a real challenge that, right. that, that because they've been in this environment of structure, and we all know that the, the transition, no matter where you are, the transition from high school into college, you're much more self-directed in college. No one really is looking over your shoulder anymore. And, and that can be very challenging for someone who's never had those skills built in to their lives you know, from the beginning. So you're actually helping them follow them through. So you don't see your job being done when they graduate in 12th grade. You see it really being done when they're 22, when they, when they walk across yep. and graduate from college. Because all the work that we can put into them, if, if our mission is to truly break the cycle of poverty, is all for naught if we don't actually help them do it. Now, is that so, your mission, though? Is that, that's interesting. So you see this as really being a way to break the cycle of poverty. Absolutely. It's not, and it's very interesting to me because now as a charter school, you, and I want to make it clear, this is, you, you are a Christian and you're a believer. In fact, you attend my church, Compass Church yeah. in the Wild West, Goodyear, Arizona, to be exact. Um, and it's been great to have you at our church. And yet you, this is not a Christian school. No. And so you don't, and, and, I, and I think Christian schools are great, but oftentimes they require the, that you be a Christian in order to, to, to show up. And that's a different educational model. Yours is much more mission driven from the standpoint of we got to go out and get people no matter where they are. And you're not specifically teaching them about Christianity per se. No, but you can't. I mean, that's you, you can't, you can't, <laughs> of course. No. And I don't, I don't think you would be expected to, uh, you know, or that's the expectation no, in that, no, in that environment. No. Right. But. How, but but yet, as a believer, how does your faith, how does your Christian faith motivate or compel you to do this? Well, I mean, personally, I feel like this is God's heart right here, what we're doing, taking care of, you know, children and and really loving it's loving them where they're at. I mean, they come in, they you know, they may have be cussing you out, you know, and once you... They know that you care and you're consistent and and you're structured and you have had those high expectations. It's amazing to see the transformation in their life, and I feel like that this is something that God has called me to do. And I, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's lots of days where it's and it's very hard work, but in the end, I know if we're not here, if our school isn't here, our staff, many of these kids um, would not have the opportunities or, or would be lost. And I feel like that's really our mission: is if not me, then who? Right. And I think that God has called you to do some things that if you don't, then there's going to be consequences. And, I, and I'm, I feel like we're the beacon of light in our community. And I feel like that's really the hands and feet of Jesus. Absolutely. I'm talking with Melissa Holdaway, a, a co-founder, CEO of Arizona Charter Academy in Surprise, Arizona. You're listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs on 1280 KXEG. And what I want to move on from now, because we've talked about so much stuff. And, and again, I, I love this. I, I was reading a, a book, a little book my wife got me called The Entrepreneurial Strengths Finder by Jim Clifford. And, and one of the points that he makes in there is that uh, people say that, you know, people always say that innovation is the key to, to restarting a stagnant economy and that the way that we're really going to lift ourselves out of some of the, 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 the stagnation we've been in as a nation for a while is just been innovate. So innovate, innovate, innovate. And he says, no, what you really need is entrepreneur, entrepreneurial effort. You need entrepreneurs. You need to be identifying them early, uh, as far back into to high school, because if you can identify this. This, this very unique class of people who are able to start something out of nothing, then they're the ones who can bring the innovations to the market, that can create the jobs, that can put the push the products out there and, and improve people's lives by what they create. And uh, the reason I think that's so significant is obviously you being, a, being an entrepreneur, um, being someone who loves leadership, um, you've made, you've really seen a connection that a lot of these kids in these difficult circumstances may be actually more equipped entrepreneurially. Yeah, talk about yeah, that. And, um, well, because they, they have this intuitive, they, they're survivors. And, uh, you know, many of them have overcome incredible things, things that, you know, many adults will never see in their lifetime. And so it's given this grit, this, you know, this, uh, I think that's no other term than I could come up with is that grit to just push through. And so we've done, you know, uh, we last summer, we did a partnership with the city and did this entrepreneurship camp that really ignited this spirit in our school. It's been so exciting. 
where they learned how to write a business plan. Um, they spent a week with mentors and learned how to write that business plan. They got ideas of, a, of businesses they wanted to start at our school. And then they, um, they pitched them kind of like a shark tank, something similar. And the hmm. winning team got $2,000 to start a business. So hmm. um, our students, the, the winning team started this lock called the Bulldog Lockup. It was a locker rental business, and so they used it to purchase lockers. But out of that came um, a group of kids that really wanted to pursue and continue this. Um, so we, we, we developed this think tank. And, uh, you know, I got a proposal on my desk for the next two or three businesses they wanted to start at the school, and, and they, they submitted proposals, budgets, what they wanted to accomplish. And actually, I started to cry when I read it. I'm going to tear up now, but because mm. this these are – these kids are amazing, and these are things that some college students aren't even doing or, or don't have the ability to do. But just yeah. the fact that they can take those their ideas, put them into writing, and envision what it could be is is huge. And I think that so often um, kids like our that come to our school that are high poverty or maybe even minority get discounted, and in reality, they're probably going to outperform everybody else and that's really our goal is to have we're very competitive here at arizona charter academy good we want to be the best and we want our students to be the best and outperform every other school and all the people that look down upon them because they do they deal with that Mm. every day Mm. and uh and so it's it's been exciting to watch and to see that spirit kind of rise up in our high school yeah and i and that's they will succeed Melissa Holloway, they will succeed and they will outperform, I think, largely if they have individuals like you, your staff and the teachers and the and, and whatever parents are available that, that buy into this vision. Absolutely. And you have you have about 750 students. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And and so it's a large that's a decent sized school. I mean, that's and it's grown a lot over the years. And so you have a, a good sized chunk. You think about 750 students being influenced. And then, of course, they graduate. And new ones come in every year and your school is continuing to grow. I visited your facility a month ago and it was beautiful. It was awesome. I, I actually um, I, I covet your conference room. And that's just because not because it's ostentatious, but because I have I have no conference room um, and at, at Compass Church right now. We blew all that out and use it for children's ministries. But but I but you but the point is is even the conference room and you and I were chatting in there when a, when a when a student walks in there they've never they've never been in a con- they don't even know what a conference room is they don't have right. a dad most of them to come back and, and tell them hey I was at work today and had to make a presentation in front of a board I mean these things are all foreign to them they do these things you're teaching them but I think what's possible and you see this and you're in it, is we if we can unleash this this potential, not through, and I'm not trying to, to set you up against the government, but the idea of let's just keep funding them and supporting them and giving them handouts and not expecting a lot out of them because they've had it bad, that doesn't get anyone anywhere. You've held them to a high standard, you've, you've, you've believed in them, and you really have treated them the way that we are commanded to treat people, which is, as being created created in the image of God and therefore capable of much more than anyone else would think. Um, because if we think about purely the idea of, you know, well, it's a social Darwinist thing. It's like some, some people get, um, some people have the luck of the draw and other people don't. Um, you don't see that. You see the divine. You see that divine spark. You see that potential in every one of your students that goes there. Now, I want to ask you this last question. Um, what, because there's people listening to this right now and they're saying, man, that's really cool. Arizona Charter Academy and surprise maybe maybe right down the street from them or maybe across town no matter where they're listening they might be asking I, I just I, Melissa Holloway this sounds like a dynamic woman this is a dynamic a school uh, if they how could they get involved at all is there anything anyone can do to Absolutely. to potentially help you talk about that and there are you know there's a wide range of things you can visit our website at www.azcharter.com mm-hmm. and uh, we certainly are always looking for volunteers for community members to come in and speak to our students obviously donations we're a 501c3 are always accepted we're having a golf tournament on May 8th and that's on our website we would love people to sign up and golf and support what we're doing we we're using that money not only for our athletic program but for to fund college visits. So we're trying to get our students to two colleges a year starting in seventh grade. And May 8th, right? May 8th? May 8th, yeah. So May 8th golf tournament. You need to go to the, tell us the website one more time. 
Uh, azcharter.com. Azcharter.com. So listen, everyone needs to go to azcharter.com. Whether do they have to be a good Facebook. golfer? No, I, I not at all. Just pay your golf fee and we'll be happy. You can just drive the cart around if you want. There you go. It's pay the, the golf wigwam. fee. Yeah, it's at <laughs> it's at the wigwam. It's at the wigwam, and what that does is that allows. That allow that pays for students to go visit other colleges or visit colleges. Many of obviously we've, we've said before they haven't even been outside the, the the city of Surprise, let alone going to see another college. And and, and what else does it also cover? In uh, terms our of the athletic department, the athletic, the department, athletic department, department, which is huge. That's obviously yeah. very very important um, for kids to be able to experience that, to be a part of a team, to understand the dynamics there, competition and winning and losing and all that kind of stuff. So also that, look us up on Facebook. We're on Facebook and like our page. We always appreciate that. Definitely. And, and so what's us. the, so this is just Arizona Charter Arizona Academy? Charter Academy, uh-huh. Yeah, so look, look you up on Facebook and do that and go to uh, azcharter.com. And so they can get involved. And also if you, if you're listening and you are somebody uh, that say, hey, you know what? I'd love to share my story. Maybe, maybe you came from poverty. Maybe you, maybe you were, maybe you've lifted yourself out and you've been successful and you want to share your story. Uh, get in touch with Melissa. You are, Melissa, you're always looking for people to to be able to, to share that. And I tell you, when I went out there last month, I really enjoyed um, my time. I loved it. It's just, it's, it's the, they're real. They're real students. They're a lot of fun. Um, you can tell that, uh, that there's a lot going on in there. And, and I, you see, you see, um, that that uh, that brightness you see that you sense that life and that that energy and you know what they are going to break that cycle of poverty they are going to be able to to be lifted out and largely because God has placed you in that in that situation and called you to this and that's what he's calling um, a lot of many of us to do to go into these difficult places and rather than sit back and watch the TV and complain about stuff and oh the world's you know the youth of today is going downhill and look at the society and the economy's bad and blah, 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 to actually say, listen, how do we use the things, the, the opportunities that we have now? How do we take advantage of those things? Use the skills we've been given to do something really amazing, like be the co-founder of Arizona Charter Academy. Melissa Holdaway, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for joining me on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Can we Thank talk? You. We'll talk again sometime. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. God bless. Bye-bye. And that's going to wrap it up today for another edition of Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I am Tim Jacobs. And remember to check us out on timjacobslive.com. That is my podcast page. You can get all of the previous shows there. And you have been listening to us on 1280 KXEG. And remember, this is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full. So go out there. Live life to the full and take some risks. Pray hard, play hard, and do some crazy stuff for the kingdom of God. Because you know what? Jesus is worth it. You're worth it. And life is out there for you. So never be afraid. Always be brave. Always be bold. And we will see you next Tuesday at 4 p.m. right here. Tuesdays, 4 p.m., Life 360 with Tim Jacobs.